Chiefs just lost to the Oilers in overtime. Darnell Nurse scoring the overtime winner and looking every bit this season like a guy who uh, no longer wants to be the least talented and interesting athlete in his family. But uh, Edmonton wins it, and uh, I'm going I'm to start us off in the most self-indulgent way possible here, boys, uh, by reading one of my own tweets. <laughs> Saturday night at 12.23 a.m., after arriving home drunk and seeing the highlight of Matthews winning goal. I think this is the first game I missed all season, Saturday night. Nice overtime defense, McDavid. Fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when McDavid and Matthews engaged in kind of the same little neutral zone battle in, in overtime tonight, and this time McDavid got loose, uh just like that familiar feeling, right? Um, the lesson here is never tweet. Never tweet. Why did I do it? I do it like three <laughs> times a week, and that's what it gets me. Um, so the Leafs go down, and that, that marks the end of the season series with the Oilers as well, uh, finishing up 6-1-2. Uh, and two. Not too shabby. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, that was kind of a, a team that – we looked at as certainly one of the measuring sticks in the the division coming in and um this result notwithstanding i, I think you got to be pretty happy with with how it's how it's gone especially considering uh you know the goaltending situation in, in some of those games against the Oilers too yeah and even tonight i think that they were probably the better team and just didn't really get the bounces and didn't really get a big save from Hutch when they needed it. I thought he was fine for the most part, but he, he is a third string goaltender. I don't, I don't think it's egregious that he wasn't able to stop nurse in overtime. Uh, six, one and two against one of the biggest threats in the division is nothing to, to hang their head over. I, I think it sets them up well heading into the stretch drive, it keeps a little bit of distance between them and the Oilers with the Oilers making a push to kind of try and take over that top seed in the division. Yeah, and, and just on the whole kind of season outlook, those those probably some of the best games that they played all year uh, in that in that pack of games, especially those three in a row where they just kind of dominated and looked like they were going to run away with the division and fortunately been a little, you know, it's been sliding a little bit since those games for them, but I think a lot of that is goaltending. It doesn't really seem to me like there's been many games where they've looked like they were not the better team on the ice. Um, but yeah, like you said, all in all, six two or is it six two and one or six one and two? Six one and two. One, what, either way, they're really good. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 encouraging to see because again, you know, you're playing against two of the best guys in the league, two of the best players in the world, and for a lot of the night tonight and and many other games, um, they they kind of seem to seem to figure them out in a way that kind of keeps them shut down but the unfortunate thing about those two is that it takes like half a second and they can score yeah you're never going to shut those guys down fully all the time it's just about limiting limiting the chances which they're doing a good job of. yeah the way that they've limited them in the nine games this year i think it's been really impressive and kind of just speaks to the overall defensive improvement that the team has made this season i, I was impressed with the physicality in, in this one i don't know if saturday was similar like the, i know that there was that big hit at the yeah. end on, on Tavares. 
is uh, Cassian, but um, and I know that you know Hall had some comments, and it obviously did carry over a little bit. And I, I don't know if it was kind of present a little bit Saturday, but certainly in this one, it was it was uh, pretty heavy stuff. Like Nick, I know you tweeted about Nylander took a couple of swings at McDavid, even when uh, you know McDavid had him on the ice and kind of was giving him a. Uh, noogie or something. I, I don't know what was going on. Down there. Yeah. So um, <laughs> there, it seems like the Leafs, the Leafs' physical play has like slowly gotten better all year. Yeah. Like it, it you know, it, it seems like game over game, there's a few more guys that have decided that they are bigger than they thought they were and start kind of throwing their body around. It's been like it's been a steady climb, but yeah, tonight was a. I didn't look at any of the hit numbers. Not that they're all that accurate, anyways, but they they seem to be on both sides pretty engaged all night yeah i thought it was chippy right from the start tonight like you said hall's comments about some of that intensity carrying over it seemed to come true uh i thought galchenyuk especially early on started off right yeah. away getting in on the forecheck and not big massive hits or anything but you know just laying the body and finishing his man kind of forcing him to make that quick decision i don't care what anyone says when you're a defenseman who's got someone coming bearing down on you and you know that they're going to finish that hit you are in a hurry to make a decision and move that puck more so than if you know you've got lots of time because you hear defensive partners yelling oh you've got time you got time there's a difference when you've got someone bearing down on you that's going to take you out and put you into the boards yeah i think what's really encouraging for me is just the fact that like like you said about you know it's it's ramping it up as the season progresses but it's also like skilled teams can get into you know the playoffs and find themselves in a situation where like you know nothing's getting called and it's like you know you kind of throw your arms up and, and you're not ready to to play through it or you're, you're not ready to, to you know deal with that situation and it's encouraging that you know the Leafs are you know instead of just complaining that like which you know we're going to get to the officiating standard which has been trash but like the 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 Leafs instead of kind of like getting frustrated with the calls it's like okay well that that's not going to be called like let's let's see what we can get away with you know and and they're kind of adapting their game that way instead of um you know expecting things to to kind of cater to the way they want to play not that they want to be on the power play a lot right now necessarily which is another <laughs> conversation entirely but um yeah i mean i mean it, it just it feels like um you know they're they're adjusting a little bit and it's it's nice to see so, um, you know, another kind of ongoing thing that we've been keeping an eye on is, is Austin Matthews. And, and you know, I I've, may have a little egg on my face here, I, I feel, because I've expressed some skepticism that, like, you know, he could actually get better and, and heal the wrist while he plays. And I, and I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if it's healing necessarily, but he, he's certainly looking better. And I was going to make this comment when we had Ian Tullock on last week, um, but... Like it, it almost feels like um, part of part of it is is like yes, the the shot looks better, but feels like there's some kind of modification going on too. Like he's he's ad- adjusted a little bit. It, obviously, you know where he's going on the ice, but also kind of like I wonder if you know it seems like he, he's shortened things up a little bit. And I think I think Ian might have mentioned that last week too. Um, 
but but if yeah, it feels like he's kind of shortened up some of his his movements and and, and is kind of adjusting to to compensate for that. But um, you know, it, it, the velocity is obviously not quite to where it was, but like undoubtedly, like the the wrist shot is is more of a, a danger um, than it was you know even two weeks ago, right? Like it it was at a point where you, you didn't even really need to. Need to treated as a threat now it's it's right back up there yeah yeah his his um his play without the puck is is kind of get, coming along too like i don't think he was ever playing poorly without the puck when when the injury was bothering him but he didn't have that kind of 200 foot dominance that he, that you had seen in earlier in the year um but he made several plays coming back tonight um down deep in his own end and just reading plays and, and just being more kind of physically engaged you know below the hash marks and stuff like that where you can kind of see that i don't need again he's not 100 percent um and i don't think we're seeing 100 percent of you know dominant austin matthews but i think we're we're seeing it get better every night which is the encouraging thing like it's not it doesn't seem to be kind of stagnating it doesn't seem to ever be getting worse um i was with you cam though it still feels like something that you know you 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 could aggravate at any moment yeah but i i trust the leafs kind of front office and and sports science to know a lot more about it than my kind of takes from the couch so i think yeah he he looks he looks like he's getting better I'm still going to be paranoid. Of course. Yeah, but he looks like he's getting more comfortable just shooting the puck. Like I made a joke when he, he a few weeks back, he kind of changed his uh, his tape job and just kind of had the toe of his blade taped where he used to have kind of the whole blade taped up. And I joked that this is the I'm not taking any slap shots tape job. And he didn't. He wasn't unleashing the one timer at all. You know, that would put a lot of stress on the injured area. And in the last week or so, we've seen him uncork a few of them on the on the power play there, and just not have them going in. But they they look like Austin Matthews one timers again, and he's starting to look a lot more like Austin Matthews again. But to, to Keith's point about the defensive play and the his ability to come back and make plays in defensive transition, it's too bad he didn't uh, make that last one tonight. He kind of let Oof. Nurse go on that. Uh, it's like he didn't even see. No, it's like he forgot Nurse was on the ice. Yeah, he, he, he was like going towards the puck. He zeroed in on McDavid a little bit, I think. And like Cam said, once McDavid beat him, he, he didn't really adjust to that and uh, t- take the second man going in. And Nurse was able to finish it off. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be a constant process with him to, to just kind of adjust. And like th- that is, I guess, the the encouraging thing is like, and we can kind of roll this into like a larger discussion about, you know, just the, the how the team looks um, night to night here, because like, like I said, I missed the game Saturday. I, I flipped on the, um, you know, I watched like the condensed game and then I, uh, you know, I, I threw it on for most of the, watched most of the third period before tonight's game started. And, and like, even, you know, with, with, uh, you know, the way things were going, like it, they're still just out shooting teams every night, right? Like even if they're, they're up, they're down, it's, it's like yeah. they're tilting the ice and Matthews is a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And just the fact that they've been able to still control these games, I think is the biggest reason I'm not really concerned with the recent slide. It was bound to regress from what they were doing at the beginning of the season. They were never going to keep a power play clipping at 35%. They weren't going to keep just piling up the goals. And I don't know what they were shooting as a team, but it definitely wasn't sustainable at the beginning of the year. And I think we're just kind of seeing the opposite side of that coin a little bit the last couple of weeks. 
I think things will normalize again. And if, as long as the, the, they stay true to the process that they, that's been leading them to, you know, kind of control the pace of play in most of these games, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Their five and five play this year has been extremely good and, and night in night out. Like there's, there, you can count on one hand, the number of times that they, they've gotten outplayed for 60 minutes and not that they've, you know, consistently been a 60 minute team. Like there's definitely been, you know, blips here and there where they kind of lose it for half a period or a period, but the efforts there all, all game, like late into the third, when they're down, they haven't, you know, mailed anything in. I think they're like fourth in the league and five on five expected goals percentage. Their, their five on five play has been to me, like we will talk, we talked about this a million times, but a market, you know, improvement defensively. And you know, these, this regular season, obviously, it means something for kind of your your confidence, you know, and their confidence going into the playoffs. But ultimately, I don't really care what happens results-wise as long as they're not, you know, in danger of, of, you know, doing something stupid and slipping way down in the standings. But if they lose games like this tonight with a complete effort, you know, for most of the game, I'm not going to be too upset. Obviously, wins are better. Yeah, I saw a tweet from... Um japers rank the uh washington caps um sb nation blog yeah, the, and, and the post delta yeah that's insane uh leafs the completely checks out though most unlucky team in terms of hitting posts like different differential of of posts plus minus for posts basically hit. yeah they were minus 14 and the second worst team in the league was boston at minus 11 most are you know within five yeah. or or so well, of, they have even they hit two tonight or two or three um yeah sounds sounds right so it's um that's i guess encouraging that you know th- th- things are um like, like they're they're tilting the ice so much and uh they're getting you know obviously goaltending is it's its own thing but um yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I guess with those results, I just have a hard time getting too discouraged by any like single loss. It seems this season, you know. Yeah, and even this kind of like little prolonged slide that they've been on, where they're still winning games, but just not as dominant as they, as they were at the beginning of the season. It, it still isn't all that concerning to me, just because the the process has still been there. Um, and I mean, you know, goaltending is uh, a big problem. I think, um, I mean, you know, it's 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 the same as it was, right? Like, you know, Campbell is still dealing with that nagging injury, it seems. Um, Hutchinson, I thought, looked pretty solid in this one. I thought um, he was fine, yeah. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, I thought he was good. I mean, I thought he was, like, perfectly fine, um, which unfortunately means that the doomsday clock just ticked one closer to his next fucking disastrous blow up, which <laughs> never goes like it's never more than five games between. So, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, I guess that you, you didn't deliver him a win in, in this one because he's probably going to get popped for four on nine shots in one of the next two, <laughs> two games he gets into. So, um, Hopefully Campbell's good to go. And, but it sounds like Campbell's yeah. going to be good to go for next time out on Wednesday against the Jets. I don't think that there should be too much cause for alarm that Hutchinson got into the net tonight. It's, no. it's not like there's a new injury with Campbell. It's the same thing that he, he's been dealing with. Keefe has come out and said that Jack hasn't been playing at 100% health. 
So they're just trying to manage his workload. I don't think it's anything to be overly concerned about. If it, if it was, they wouldn't have already said he's going to play on Wednesday yeah. night. Yeah, and, and back to kind of the, the idea of, you know, the regular season is what it is. I'm not too concerned about it. You know, if, if, if this was an important game and there was implications on the line, he would have played, you know. But what's the point of risking further injury? What's the point of, you know, not affording him a few more days of rest to get him back closer to 100? It it's concerning that you're one more injury away from a, a fifth string goalie being being you know brought up but it, it you know you can you can kind of worry yourself to death on anything the least or one injury away at center from Pierre Engvall being their second line center so it's it's it is what it is but I I think that Hutchison played fine he's not stopping too you know, not many goalies are stopping two of those. He might have had a chance on the overtime one if he'd have, you know, got over a little quicker or whatever. But that those are two goals that are are you know going in on most goalies. It's a lot to expect of a third string goaltender to to kind of steal you those saves. Not again. I feel like the theme of this episode is like, eh, <laughs> like who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's hard to um, imagine any team in the league getting to like digging to the depths of goaltending that the Leafs have this season and not kind of being concerned about it, right? Like, like I don't think anyone's uh, you know rolling their third and fourth string guys out there for a game and feeling great about it. Um, so it's yeah. you know it's you're you're Especially at the, against Connor McDavid. It's encouraging that the Leafs have been able to kind of fight through that bit of adversity that they've had to deal with in the net and still be putting up the season that they are and leading the division. I think I saw someone uh, tweet out after the game tonight. I think this was the 82nd regular season game that Sheldon Keefe has coached with the Leafs, and he's coached them to a, a 106 point record basically. And in that time, the goaltending hasn't been great. So I think, you know, even if they can stabilize that a little bit, if they can get Campbell closer to 100% and see what Anderson is able to do once he gets back and healthy, because he's going to get another chance. We talked about that a bit with Ian last week. They're going to need both of those goaltenders down the stretch and into the playoffs. I just, I don't have a lot of concern really for anything even the goaltending right now yeah agreed um well maybe the power play um not not that not that you know it's it's (laughs) it's hard to get worked up about the power play either because of the amount of talent you're you're rolling out there right but um i don't know what the the i know there was like a one for 20 stretch i don't know what it's at now um but i mean you know there there are times where it, it it's not looking so hot um, I thought it looked good on Saturday night. They they were still generating quite a few chances, more so than we've seen of late. I, th- I thought Mike Smith had a great game on Saturday night. He he stopped a couple of really nice quality chances on the on the penalty kill for the Oilers. Uh, it's I think it's back to the kind of the regression thing. I think that's going to normalize too, and the pucks are going to start going in. There's just way too much talent out there on the ice for them to keep being held off the score sheet yeah it's really frustrating seeing this team be so like ridiculously offensively talented and just getting goaltenders just go crazy every time they play them like i (laughs) I, I, you start to question like are they just shooting it right at guys but you watch you watch like slow mos and they're just just getting their fucking elbows on it or just hitting the top of the crossbar after it nicks their shoulder like it's just this shit doesn't last mckayev is shooting it right at them 
but otherwise, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Poor fucking guy. Poor he just kid. looks so sad all the time. <laughs> it was, I think Jeff Merrick tweeted out tonight, like, how many times have broadcasters said this season, and he robs Ilya McKay. <laughs> I, I think I saw uh, Terry Koshin from The Sun replied to that maybe or i think it was him that said that they just have a button ready for that now um, but uh, you know speaking of guys that kind of are getting their chances and looking good and maybe not capitalizing right away but still being effective um galchenyuk looks really yeah. good on that line and, and i'm not ready to say that dubas doesn't need to go out and acquire another top six winger because i think he does i'm not necessarily comfortable with it but i'm a lot more comfortable with it than i would have been two weeks ago if if he somehow strikes out at the deadline yeah galchenyuk has been a great fit on that line so far it's only been five games but i think he's pretty clearly been the best fit that we've seen alongside Tavares and nylander this season and maybe even going back to last year Uh, he looks like a guy that realizes he doesn't have too many chances left in this league right now. And uh, it's definitely showing in his play. He's been aggressive on the forecheck. Like the physicality is something I definitely didn't expect out of him. He's been working hard in his own zone. I think he's helping that line generate offense in multiple ways like we mentioned the four check he he's causing disruptions for the opposing defenders on the four check and that's leading the chances off the cycle and stuff in the offensive zone but i think they've also been generating a lot more in transition with him on that line as well we see like yeah he kind of facilitates to the neutral zone and nylander's been great gaining the zone with control as he always is but it seems like they're able to generate chances off of that now more than they have been f- for most of the season. I don't know whether it's just Galchenyuk having that vision and the offensive IQ to take those better lanes and just kind of feel the space a little bit better in transition. But I, I think it's it's definitely been a nice fit so far. Yeah, it's interesting because he's he's it's like you know like you said you know he's figured out that he's got to do something different he's not sticking wherever you know he's landed and and their production isn't there and there seems to be some other stuff going on where that kind of follows him around but you know it's it's like he went to like a zach hyman or, or something like that and just said like teach me to play like you like he just looks like he's that he's taken on that role and that complimentary piece the third guy on a line that's going to go out and get pucks and and be hard on the forecheck but then you you kind of mix in the fact that he's a third overall pick with a ton of offensive upside and he can make those plays through the neutral zone and he can you know make between the leg passes that you know god love him you're you're not going to get out of wayne simmons yeah and i think like Galchenyuk's biggest weapon has always been his shot, and we haven't even really seen that part of his game no, yet. He hasn't really uncorked one. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, you know, there's no, there's never been a doubt that he has the talent to play in the league, right? And it's, um, it's nice to see him working hard and fitting in there. Um, I think that the biggest thing is the consistency, right? And I think that's kind of yeah. th- th- that makes the difference between who sticks and who doesn't. Like, look at Travis Boyd. Like we, we all liked how he looked, and then. Just kind of faded off a little bit. So, like, he, obviously, he's got good reason to have that pop, as you've kind of said. Like, it is kind of his his last shake at it here, and it almost feels like he's kind of already earned a look somewhere else, even if it does tail off. Like, someone will take a chance based on you know how, how he's even just looked here in the, in the first little stretch. But um, you know, I I think that he's got to he's got to keep 
that uh, the consistency going. And I think um, what's been encouraging for me, I guess, is like um, I'm looking at like the lineup now and it's like if he can slide in there on the left side, well, maybe your focus can shift to like the third line center spot again. And especially now that I'm, I'm looking at, you know, obviously Matthews is battling through it. And he's looking better. But, you know, you, you mentioned, Keith, about one injury to your to your top two centers and you know Engvall's your number two guy right and and you know you've got um Tavares who who is obviously struggling through it this season he, he doesn't look like uh, uh Nick like you, you were on Sportsnet 590 uh on the weekend and I want to bring up that um and Tavares you know you you kind of mentioned like looks like a guy who has kind of lost a, a stride here and, and um, you know, he can't really afford to. And, and, you know, I think that it's not necessarily that like he's even lost it permanently, but, you know, it feels like uh, with the weird season and COVID year and, and short, you know, off season and he had a kid and it just feels like it all worked out to maybe he didn't quite have the, uh, uh, you know, the, the off season he would have liked to have. And it's, it's, you know, um, like like Spets is looking better out there in terms of like conditioning, getting around the ice than Tavares a lot of nights, right? And um, it, it's like maybe maybe if Galchenyuk's a nice fit there, he kind of boosts Tavares a little bit, and then you can focus on who who do we fill in on third line center and, and add to the depth a bit. Yeah, and just one last thing I want to say about Galchenyuk. I think that the the Leafs organization really deserves credit for the way that they handled him. They brought him in on the cheap and just kind of tore him down nothing to sort of rebuild him back into what they think he can be and what he's shown he can do in the NHL in the past. It's Like you said, the consistency will be the telling factor, and we're going to need a larger sample size to really determine how well it's worked out. But I, I think the early returns have been good. As for Tavares, uh, like I said, when I was chatting with uh, Sam and Brent on the weekend, kind of got into the whole sort of value of Tavares with the, the fact that he's always going to be judged against that contract. And the fact that he is paid as one of you know the top five or six players in the league, that, that's always going to hang over his head. And I just don't think that it's realistic. I'm not saying it's unfair to expect it, but I don't think it's realistic for any of us to expect Tavares to to be one of the top five or six players in the league at this point in his career. Uh, He has looked, I think, better since Galchenyuk has been added to that line. I think the revolving door that they've had to deal with, him and Nylander with the the other winger on that line, I don't think that has done them any favors in terms of kind of finding their footing this year and, and generating consistent offense. Uh, but it looks like there might be a fit there with Galchenyuk, at least in the early going. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it kind of progresses as they continue to play together and gain more chemistry because uh, I, I think Tavares has looked a bit better in the last couple of games. He's driving the net more. And you talked about the posts. I don't. Is there a player on the team who's been more unlucky with hitting the posts or just getting robbed or you know, even missing a gaping cage yeah. here and there. I think that a little more luck and a couple of bounces the other way for Tavares this season and his numbers look a lot better too. Yeah. But uh, the, the other thing we kind of talked about was just how strong he's been defensively. And Keefe has kind of been alluding to that all season long too. It just that there are things that Tavares is bringing to this team that 
while he might not ever live up to that $11 million cap hit, he's still hugely important piece to this team and he, he's going to be instrumental in whatever success they have yeah that's that's part of the reason why i haven't been overly concerned with him this year like yes you you would like more production um especially at five and five but again back to kind of what we talked about earlier which is kind of paying more attention to what's happening as opposed to the results he's you know if you look at the box scars every night no he doesn't look great but he he i haven't seen him you know many times there's been a few occasions where he's looked you know out of position or not so great but most nights he's getting a ton of chances he's working his bag off down low he's playing super strong defensively it's just it's a it feels like a matter of time thing but it also has kind of felt like we've been saying that for quite a while now so it it does become a little bit um of, of a concern but if you just if you watch him if you look at some of the underlying numbers, especially on a defensive impact, he looks good. And, you know, it, but I do think what you're saying is right and fair to say that, you know, or, or unfair to say that he's going to live up to that contract, which unfortunately, you know, also came with being named the captain uh, at the same time that the franchise was starting to turn around. So people are probably looking for a little bit more out of him. But if you just look at the player and, and try to take away that that contract, he's extremely important and valuable to the team and, and would be most teams, you know, top line center leading scorer kind of situation. Well, who was, I think it was actually Sheldon Keith that said Tavares w- would be leading however, like nine or 10 teams in the league and scoring and would be top two on about half of the teams in the league. So I, I think, I think he's just under a 70 point pace or something. Right. So it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and when you're, you're playing kind of, I don't want to say in the shadow, but they are, he is sort of in the shadow of Matthews and Mariner at this point just because of how yeah. flat-out dominant those guys look every single night, basically. And the other thing is that, that first season in Toronto didn't do anything to kind of temper expectations for how the rest of the contract was yeah. going to go. And, like, he was never going to repeat the season he had there with Mariner. Like, he shot way above his his uh, career shooting percentage. I think he, he shot at a higher rate than he ever had in his career before, too. Like, I don't think it's any coincidence when he was playing alongside Mariner. But, yeah, I think... He, He's still doing a lot that is helping this team find success. Yeah, is he a guy that I, I thought this at first when they first signed him, and then I kind of talked myself out of it. But then now thinking of just the fact that he's not the world's greatest skater, is he a guy that in the later years of this contract gets moved to the wing? Is that something that you can see? I mean, they're going to have to fill out the void of, of the depth of, of center, but he just kind of seems like the prime suspect to kind of go the route of like a Claude Giroux where he kind of settles, settles in on a top six winger spot. Yeah. Well, I think we've kind of already seen them do that a little bit, you know, even in the series with Columbus last summer that with the, yeah. what do they yeah. call it? The all-star line. I, I don't know. Nuclear yeah, line. I, I don't know if that was necessarily <laughs> all based on, you know, the lack of foot speed or what have you with Tavares. But I think that is, that's definitely a valid point Keith is probably something that we will see in the later years of this contract yeah I I could see that too it's interesting right like with a guy like Tavares um, that's kind of always been the thing is is the the foot speed the the skating ability like even going back to when he was you know a, a draft eligible it was, yeah when he was with Oshawa that was the yeah story so too. like um, 
he, he strikes me as one of those guys who's going to be effective for a very long time because of the abilities he has, like, um, you know, offensively, the way he thinks the game. But yeah, it's, it's you know, can he get around well enough? And I think it's encouraging that, like, you know, we're seeing some of the other elements that, like, like you know, I, I'd have to go back and look at his, like, you know, I, I don't know what what his reputation as a defensive player was really in on the island, but um, you know, it feels like he's kind of trying to um, step up in in some of those areas of the game a little more. Um, you know, less focused on pure production and and more on trying to um, you know positively influence results while he's out there, kind of thing. And and yeah, I mean, he he. Um, like you said, it really depends on, on what the depth ends up being, right? Like the, you, you couldn't afford to do it right now for, um, who knows how long, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be something that, um, could, could certainly happen down the road, um, in a more full-time kind of capacity. Um, and you know, on like guys like that and even, and Galchenyuk more specifically, I don't know if you guys remember this piece from like years and years ago, but it, w- it would have been, a, I think it was Tyler Dello who wrote it. Um, and it was about how, you know, basically like your fourth liners kind of end up being like, you don't draft a guy to be a fourth liner, right? Like you, you, they end up being guys who are first round picks and end up, you know, hanging around in the league. And it's like Galchenyuk, um, obviously, you know, Tavares is not going to be a fourth liner anytime soon, but Galchenyuk is like a guy who, like you said, former third overall pick and, um, you know, obviously he's he's contributing and looking all right in the top six right now. But I think best case for him is he settles in and, and nails down a bottom six role, whether it's with the Leafs or elsewhere. But um, Nick, I was going to get you to ask why Sam has never been seen in the same room as Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> and I had to, I have to throw in a fact check here, too. Uh, I think Sam said on, on your segment on 590 um, Bo Horvat was was the MVP of the Canada Winter Games in 2011, and he did say that, and he would say that because he's from Ontario. Uh, he that is not the case. I believe he was the captain of of Team Ontario, uh, but the leading scorer of the 2011 Canada Winter Games and the captain of the winning team, British Columbia. Uh, you want to take a stab at it? Anyone? 12 goals, 17 points in six games played. Mr. Morgan Riley? Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of guys who have bounced around. Um, is he in Buffalo now? Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw him. as like I think he's like their second line center. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think he was their first line center the other night. So, funny enough, um, he, he is in Buffalo. Um he was on a line with two other guys who who made it to the NHL um, in that tournament, and two of them are together now in Buffalo, uh, with Lazar and Sam Reinhart being the other. And uh, the third is Toronto Marley, uh, Nick Patan. Former World Junior star. Hmm. Yeah, a little trivia. Um, I, I was going to mention that tournament, um, but we we ended up you know going a few weeks with the recording there uh, because late February would have marked ten years since that happened, and uh, that was that was a blast. That was like the first kind of like major like hockey thing I covered, and uh, that's where I met Sam. Yeah, we, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, we we 
kind of got to work together on that. Like I wasn't going to school at the time I had, had just graduated and Sam was there. Um, I think in his second semester and, um, you know, we got teamed up on the hockey beat and, uh, you know, obviously both Leafs fans and, you know, we've been buds ever since. So, uh, yeah, small world stuff when, uh, when you guys were on, on five ninety. Um, yeah, definitely small world stuff. And I, after, uh, after I finished the interview with Sam and Brent that morning, I, I got a message from another friend of mine, uh, that grew up in Ontario, but kind of finished high school around here with us. He said that he's pretty sure he went to high school with Sam in Ontario. So yeah, just uh, all kinds of funny small world connections there. But uh, that, that that's a good reminder to support those local events uh, when they're happening. You never know. Um, you know, I think we, we talked before on, on... I saw Austin Matthews play exactly. with Team USA in the world under 17s and I didn't even know that he was on that team i was like focused on noah hannafin and jeremy brocco and this good matthews was an underager at the time for that tournament but just the fact that you know austin matthews was playing in my hometown rink and j- just the fact that i went to check out that game i can say that i saw austin matthews in the port hawksbury civic center so yeah definitely go and support those those tournaments and events when they're around yeah there's nothing we like more as hockey fans than saying we saw a guy first and uh um you know then when they make it big like like ty smith um i, I called the uh uh, major midget championship it, when it was in new brunswick a few years back ty smith was there and he is tearing it up with new jersey another guy who just signed actually nova scotian wanted to shout out uh peter delibatori who uh signed with the uh, las vegas golden knights after his college season just came to an end and uh, uh he's he's a nova scotian and defenseman and i like him a lot he was like a late round draft pick and like i like i say i saw him in midget and it's like you you you, you can see the hockey sense and you just never know how they're going to develop right but uh, it'd be interesting to see if those guys make it yeah especially way back at that that age yeah, level definitely tough. but uh always worth going to check out and wanted to mention that because of course the world women's hockey championship is coming up in uh, halifax and uh, looking forward to that i gotta figure out what's going on with my tickets i I feel like I I should I should have invested my ticket money when I bought tickets like a year and a half ago now, and uh, it's just been sitting in Hockey Canada's coffers, and I don't even know if I have tickets yet or, or what the story is. Uh, I could I could have had <laughs> enough to buy really expensive ones if I had, you know, done the whole uh, whatever whatever the, the NFT what, market. yeah whatever the fuck the scam is now <laughs> by GameStop <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also want to mention the Isabel Cup has been awarded. Uh, the NWHL season wraps up. Boston defeating Minnesota for their second championship and a rematch of the last Isabel Cup as well. Um, and unfortunately, Boston beat Toronto in the playoffs. Feels like Toronto was really a, kind of the biggest victim of the the bubble getting shut down the first time there. They were building momentum, the number one seed in the whole thing. And, you know, the big extended break definitely took away whatever they had going to come and play that single elimination game with Boston. It's kind of a tough, tough way to go for for the six after their strong showing in the initial bubble. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were really getting better each game um, before they had to shut things down. And, and you know, you have to 
jumping cold to a couple of playoff games. I mean, one in this case. So uh, it's tough, but, you know, it's exciting. I think that the momentum they were building, um, you know, they, they made some new fans for sure. Uh, they were a fun team to follow. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it was an exciting season and uh, it's going to be an exciting off season. I think, um, you know, this this prolonged kind of tension, I guess, between the PWHPA and the NWHL, um, you know, it's still there, but hopefully things are thawing a little bit. We've, we've seen maybe a little bit of movement there um, with, uh, you know, uh, Danny Ryland Kearney um, stepping down from her position, and, and you know, there's there's seems like uh, NWHL is seeming to have some success peeling off a, a, a little bit of support from former PWHPA players in terms of trying to get them involved. So, um, you know, hopefully we can kind of work towards getting um, you know a, a bit more of a cohesion, I guess, going and 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 you know get get that that true um league with unified league with the with the best female talent in the world that's right that's right because that that's what you need um you know and this is speaking as a guy who you know frankly i I didn't i didn't watch any of those games on the weekend it was it was so quick and it's over uh, two nights and three games and then that's it but um you know, it's it's. Um, I, I was watching a lot of college basketball the last few weeks, uh, both for work and also enjoyment. Uh, mentioned that, like, you know, I enjoy the WNBA. That's a league where you know they've they've really had it figured out, and they are rolling momentum wise right now. And the talent that you're seeing, like at the college level, is crazy. And uh, like as a guy who's watched a ton of like both. Uh, men's and women's college basketball over the last few weeks women's tournament has been way more entertaining like bar none um it's it's been you know tighter games um just so much talent on display and uh that's that's where you want to get to the point i think with the uh the women's game where it's um it's it's visible uh, and it's it's obviously huge to have the NWHL on on NBC I think um you know w- with those playoff games but um uh, you know it it's you got to keep that momentum going I guess and um you know it's how do you get to that next step so uh, excited to see how we get there so before we wrap up, um, there is one little bit of news that came out over the weekend. Alex Steves, uh, college prospect, uh, the Leafs inked. Um, Leafs haven't been super busy in, in that you know college pool, it doesn't seem, these last few years, but uh, uh, kind of sounds like an, an interesting prospect. Some of those uh, past numbers look, look pretty good. Yeah, like you said, they haven't really dipped into the NCAA free agent market too much in the last few years. I think the last one was Joey Duzak a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, Steve's is kind of an interesting one. He's still just 21 years old. He won't turn 22 until December. He led his team in scoring at Notre Dame this year. Uh, he's got some skill. Kind of an interesting lottery ticket, I guess, to find out more about Steve's. My, my pal Tony Ferrari over at the Leafs Nation wrote an, a nice little profile on him there earlier today. So check that out uh, for the lowdown on Steve's. Yeah, and we're going to do a show soon, I think. Uh, we haven't really talked prospects much lately. Obviously, lots going on um, NHL side with the Leafs, but uh, obviously, Nick, you're, you know... Um, 
deep into the prospects all the time, uh, both draft wise and Leafs wise. And, uh, uh, you know, I think we're due for a chat there. So we're going to do that at some point soon as well. Um, yeah, send in any questions you guys might have uh, about any of the Leafs prospects or anything about the upcoming draft that you might want to know. Hit us up and uh, we'll throw together something for the for the draft and Leafs prospects in the next couple weeks here. Yeah, I definitely got some guys to, to pick your brain about. Um, Keith, we've got uh, more new Brunswick music. We're on a roll here. That's right. <sighs> what do we got? So uh, fellow, fellow Leaf fan, uh, Drew Sweet. Um, his band out of St. John called Subtle. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm off and, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a bit more of like a solo project um, for him where he kind of has different rotating cast of band members. Um, I know he recorded this one with Colin Ferris, who's a, a guy that I've, I've uh, played with in, in a few different groups and few different kind of settings. Um, great dude as well. So the band Subtle, um, they, I would, I would describe Subtle as, uh, kind of like an a, an emo music fan's favorite kind of emo music. Like they're <laughs> they're an emo fan's emo band. Um, very very authentic. He's a he's he's a, a huge fan of the genre. He does it extremely well. Um, you, you know, it, it, I I really enjoy seeing them live. Um, just a, a ton of energy. Really good really good musicians. Really good chops. Um, so yeah, check this one out. Um, Subtle's available again on all your. Your, your weapon of choice for whatever you stream music on. Um, this song's called My Favorite Morning. <laughs> 